Hijacked, A Beechwood Adventure by G. Michael Smith Chapter 7 The Garden Shed Storage The pallets were in his father's truck. There were six of them in almost perfect condition. They were still on the truck when Billy and his father arrived at the Cooper place the next day. His father got out of the truck and noticed that they were still in the back. Darn! I meant to take those out. Where do you want them? We can drop them off on our way home. Billy had been trying to figure out where he was going to store them. The Braves needed them right where he was, and they were here. He took a shot. Can't we store them here for a while until we decide where we're going to build the clubhouse? Billy felt this was not really a lie because they hadn't decided where they were building a clubhouse. They had decided that they were building a secret clubhouse. No problem, but you have to be responsible for taking them off the truck, he said, and added, on your own time. They had better not still be here when it's time for you to go back to school. The Braves and I will deal with them. Thanks, Dad. He had solved a huge problem. All he had to do now was get them off the truck. I'll do it now in case you have to pick something up. I'll make up the time. His father nodded, already thinking about his next job. Billy hauled the pallets to the back of the garden shed and leaned them up against the wall. He grabbed the hoe and dropped it in the wheelbarrow, then headed over to the garden patch. He hoed and hoed and wheeled and wheeled until lunchtime, all the while planning the next steps to repairing the platform in the cedar tree. He could see it all in his mind. To make it real, he would have to take each of the pallets apart. That would be the first task. He would need all the braves to help him. Once that was done, he needed to replace and repair the steps that went up the back of the tree. His father's words rang in his head. Safety first, speed second. He always said it before any job. Billy thought of Binky trying to climb the steps up to the hideout. That might be a problem. They needed to make the climb much safer. Billy planned to set a series of pitons into the tree, just like rock climbers did, so they would be able to clip onto the pitons as they climbed. If someone slipped, the safety rope would stop them from falling. He liked the idea. If anyone got hurt, then the whole secret jig would be up. The more he planned, the longer the list of materials got. After dumping a load of roots beside the pallets, he went into the garden shed looking for a place to store all the tools and material required. The garden shed would be perfect. His dad had never even stepped inside, so he figured it would be safe enough, especially under a tarp. Looking around, he saw a small workbench at one end. There were no tools except a can of very rusty nails and a miner's rock pick. There was a carpenter's pencil, a pad of ancient paper that was yellow and curled. Billy started a list. Screw gun. Long screws, hammer, nails, rope, screw-in eye-lags as pitons, clips to use as carabiners and a safety belt. 
The wood pieces would be salvaged from the pallets. They'd need a pry bar for that. Once they had all of this, they could safely travel up and down the cedar tree to the platform. After that, the real construction would begin. He hoped that Jackie would come up with an elevator system to get the materials up to the platform. He also hoped Jackie would keep the design simple so they could actually build it. Jackie had a tendency to get a little uh, sophisticated. Billy did not want something that would be impossible to build, just something to ease the amount of work required to get boards and other materials up to the platform, especially heavy stuff. Billy went to the house to check in with his dad. He found him lying on the kitchen floor with his head in the cupboard under the sink. Smoke from the propane torch was curling out of the opening. Dad, it's lunchtime. I'll be out in a minute. I just have to finish soldering this pipe. Billy heard the torch light up and saw more smoke. I'll get the cooler, he said, and walked out to the truck. He flipped back the seat grabbed the cooler and was about to flip the seat back into place when he saw a can of large metal lag-eye screws. They were rusty, but still good. He was sure his dad had forgotten all about them, so he grabbed the can, ran back to the garden shed and put them on the workbench. They would work for the pitons, and also might come in handy for whatever elevator system Jackie created. Billy ran back and carried the lunch cooler into the house just as his dad was climbing out from under the sink. They sat and ate leftover meatloaf sandwiches. William, this is great meatloaf. You changed the recipe somehow. What did you do? William beamed. There was no ketchup, so I used a bunch of other stuff I found. There was some teriyaki sauce and some Worcestershire stuff. I put that in along with some grated cheese. Well, it's even more delicious cold. You realize that you are now in charge of meatloaf dinners from now on. That's what happens when you get good at something. You become the go-to guy. Congratulations, he said. Billy made a face. He did not want to be good at making meatloaf. His father laughed. Billy decided he would take advantage of his father's good humor. Hey, Dad, do you think I could use your battery screwdriver to build the clubhouse? Boy, this is your day. I just bought a new driver. You can have the old one. Its battery is not great, but I think it'll work for you. It's on the counter over there. He pointed to a dirty, dinged-up screwdriver sitting on the counter across the room. "'Fantastic!' said Billy, grabbing it. He pressed the trigger. The screwdriver whirred. "'The charger's in the toolbox. Grab it, too, before I take the toolbox.' Billy nodded. "'Let's get back to it!' His father stood, slipped on his gloves, and crawled back under the sink. Billy took the screwdriver and charger out to the garden shed and plugged it in to charge the battery. He looked around and nodded. Things were coming together. He went back to work. Ho, pull and wheel, ho, pull and wheel, filled the remainder of the day. Billy was nearly half done. If he worked hard, he could get it all done quickly enough to give him some time to work on the hideout. 
He dropped the hoe and went to inspect the wooden steps at the back of the cedar tree. They had been inset into the trunk when they were originally installed. It would be a simple matter of knocking the rotten ones off, hammering in the old nails, and screwing a new cleat in its place. He could inset one of the hooks a metre above the cleat. He could clip onto that as he climbed and replaced the cleats. It would be like climbing a mountain in preparation for the rest of the braves. Billy turned to the shed and decided that he would use it for a shop. If they worked inside the shed, then they could keep away from any peering eyes. He hefted one of the pallets and corner-walked it to the shed. He let it fall to the floor. It hit with a resounding boom that seemed to echo inside the shed, like he had banged on a big drum. Billy examined the floor of the shed. It was constructed of old planks worn down from many years of footfall. He picked up the pallet again and looked under it. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary, so he dropped it again. The echoing boom filled the room, along with a plume of dust. Once again, Billy picked up the pallet and flipped it to the side. This time... There was only a dull thud when it hit the floor. He jumped on the floor where the pallet hit, and a deep echo filled the room. The floor sounded hollow under a section. Billy grabbed the old rock pick from the workbench, got down on his hands and knees, and started to tap the floor. He discovered an area about one meter square that created a consistent echo. He looked for the edge of a trap door. There should also be something like a hinge, he thought. But there was nothing. The boards just followed a seemingly random pattern. He shook his head. Maybe he was just letting his imagination get the best of him. After finding the hidden cavern with the bricked-up exit in the cellar of the house, he just figured that there must be something behind it. It would be pretty strange to brick something up for no reason. Maybe it led to the shed and came up inside. Maybe, or maybe not. Billy went out and walked around the perimeter of the shed, all the while staring at the foundation. Maybe there was a way into the underground tunnel from the outside. He found nothing. Returning to the shed and looking at the floor again, he could see nothing that might suggest a way down. If he had to chop or cut his way in, then there was probably nothing there, just a hole in the ground. The last hole in the ground contained a body, an old skeleton that had not had any flesh on it in at least a hundred years. Billy mumbled out loud, Well, Billy boy, you're being really silly again. There's nothing here. This shed will make a great workshop, though. William, where are you? It's time to go, called his father. Billy set the old rock pick on the bench and shouted back, Coming! He left the shed and walked around the police tape tent. I'm here. 
His father was standing in the garden inspecting Billy's work. This looks good. You'll be finished sooner than I expected. I will have to find you a new job pretty soon, he grinned. Billy whined. Dad! Chapter 8 The Gang After dinner and dishes, Billy ran out to see if any of the gang was hanging about on the boulevard. Mad Dog and Petra were tossing a frisbee with Binky in between trying to intercept it. Charming and Orf were playing rock-paper-scissors. It appeared as if Orf was losing every single game. As Billy approached, Orf stood up and shouted, "'You have to be cheating! No one could beat me this many times in a row!' "'I'm not cheating. I have never cheated.' That would be very ungentlemanly. I told you that you have a tail, responded Charming. Have a tail? I'm not telling you anything. Do you think I'm stupid or something? I know you're cheating. Every time Charming got stressed, his accent became more pronounced. I'm not cheating. I'm simply reading you during the three count. Billy approached and sat beside Charming. Tell her I'm not cheating, Billy. She simply telegraphs what she's about to choose. And so I choose what will ever beat her. Like I said, he's cheating, said Orf. She crossed her arms and plunked down on the grass. Let me show you, said Charming. He looked at Orf. Are you ready? Orf nodded, and they began to count three. Orf's hand became flat like paper, and Charming's hand became scissors. Crap! Orf shouted. See, he has to be cheating. Do you want me to show you your tells? Charming asked. What are tells? It's when you do something with your body just before you choose whatever you're going to choose. When you bite your bottom lip on the left side of your mouth, you're going to choose paper. When you stick your tongue out and touch your top lip, you're going to choose rock. And when you puff out your cheeks, you will pick scissors. It's as simple as that. Crap. It's still cheating. You should have told me before you beat me a zillion times in a row. I'm never playing this game again. Now that you know, you can use that to your advantage and change your tell when it's important for you to win. Cripes, it's always important for me to win, said Orf. Just then, the frisbee sailed and landed right in front of them. The rest of the braves came running over. Billy asked them to sit. He wanted to tell them about the plans he had for the hideout. He was about to start when he noticed Jackie running toward the group. He slid to the ground and tried to hide behind Mad Dog. Hide me! It was too late. They all heard a voice and then they saw the twins running out onto the grass. He's over here, said the girl. Jimmy and Joni ran up to the group, and they stared at Jackie. 
If I didn't know better, I would say you're trying to ditch us. Were you trying to ditch us, Jackie? Jackie shrugged his shoulders, flopped down on the grass and stared at the sky. Because if you were, I would have to tell your mother, and I don't think she would be very happy. Jackie sat up. I was not trying to ditch you. I was simply leading you here so I could introduce you to my friends. This here is Petra, Maddox, Anthony, William, Devanish, and Sally Ann. Guys, say hi to Joni and Jimmy. They're visiting their grandparents and live in the house right behind mine. Everyone said hi to the twins. This was followed by an awkward silence that was broken by Joni. What are you guys up to? We're not up to anything. The guys are just hanging out, said Jackie. I was late and they're probably heading home. Isn't that right, William? Yeah, Billy agreed. Then he remembered their code for meet at the maple tree as soon as you can. My dad wants me home. I have to work at the Cooper place tomorrow, and he wants to tell me what I'm supposed to do. Catch you later, guys. Cooper place was the signal to pretend to go home, and then meet at the back of the maple tree just at dark. Petra picked up on it first. Yeah, me too. Come on, Maddox and Anthony, I'll walk you home. Maddox nodded. But Anthony did not even recognize his own name. He started talking. My mom said I didn't have to be home until it was nearly d- Petra grabbed his arm and pulled him toward her. Not what she told me. She said I was to have you home before eight, and it's nearly that now. Come on. She grabbed one arm, and Mad Dog grabbed the other. They practically lifted him off his feet and across the grass. Binky thought it was a game, and went along willingly. Orf and Charming looked at each other. Come on, Orf. I mean, Sally Ann. I'll show you how to use tells to your advantage. Orf smiled a fake smile at Joni and said, Gotta go. Only Billy and Jackie remained. Billy started to walk away with a nod at Joni. Nice meeting you, he said. Jimmy spoke for the first time. It was obvious that Joni was the dominant one, but he turned to Billy. Maybe I could get together with you sometime and hang out. You mean we, don't you? interjected Joni. Yeah, we could all get together. Sure. I guess, sometime when I'm not working. I have to work for my dad all summer. Jackie spoke. See you sometime when you get a few free minutes from working. Okay, William? Billy nodded. He was irritated that Jackie kept using his full name. I have to go home too. See you later. He and Billy walked off in different directions. Joni and Jimmy followed Jackie. The last thing that Billy heard was Joni telling Jackie that he had nice friends. An hour later, Billy was walking toward the maple tree. The path had been well thought out. 
Each leg of the trip was designed so that only a few places in Beechwood Glen could see a person as he approached the tree. You had to start by walking with your head bowed along the hedge that ran beside the Fitzwilliams, and then dash across the open space of their driveway. From there, you were to walk casually along the road until you reached the low hedge on the other side. After a quick check to see if anyone was watching, you had to jump the hedge and crouch down behind it. Then you had to crawl along the hedge until you were at the concrete fence that ran beside the Cooper place. Once there, you had about a five-meter dash to the huge and gnarled tree trunk. From the back side of the tree trunk, you could climb up into the branches and remain invisible. Once he got to the back of the tree, he quickly climbed up. He could not see anyone else, but he heard Orf. It's about time. Everyone is here except Pinky. His mom told him it was too late to go out with the gang. He made me promise to tell him everything that happens. Billy climbed up, and soon his light-adjusted eyes could see the whole gang, minus Pinky, sitting on one large branch. "'Glad you're all here. I have an announcement to make,' said Billy. Everyone looked at him. "'I have found the perfect spot for our secret hideout.' He paused to see that everyone was staring with rapt anticipation. "'It will require a lot of work, but believe me, it will be worth it.' Orf burst in. "'Where?' Billy looked around and slowly parted the leaves of the maple tree. The sun had just set, and the western sky was pink. You could see the copse of cedar trees at the back of the Cooper property, silhouetted against the fuchsia sunset. There, up in the largest cedar tree. "'I think you're dreaming, Billy boy,' said Jackie. "'I agree,' said Charming. "'It would be difficult to design and build a platform up in that tree.' That's the best part. We won't have to build it because it's already there. There are cleats on the tree leading up to it, like treads on a ladder. They need repair, but it's something I think we can do. I have already started collecting lumber and tools to do the job. He sat back and waited. Mad Dog spoke first. Who built it? Billy shrugged. I think it was built a long time ago before the freeway. It was built to last. It seems to be part of some sort of lookout because you can see all the way to the Cornborough Estates and beyond. Jackie jumped up from his crouching position on the branch and nearly slipped and fell. Let's go and see it now. Not now. It's too dark. One thing you guys have to understand is that to keep this secret, we must take care at all times. It's near the Cooper property. The house will be empty the whole summer, but my dad will be there a lot, so we can only work after five when he's gone. And on weekends, piped in Orf. Right. Tomorrow is Friday. I have to work tomorrow. On Saturday, we can all go over and have a look, said Billy. They all agreed to meet in the maple tree on Saturday at 9 a.m. They left the maple tree one at a time. Billy and Jackie were left in the tree. 
They both sat and waited for Petra to get past the Fitzwilliam's house. Jackie looked at Billy and raised his eyebrows. Billy knew what was coming next. Jackie wanted to climb up the tree right now. No way, we're not going to risk it. You'll have to wait. Okay, okay. In that case, I'm going first. See you tomorrow. I have to work tomorrow, said Billy. I know, replied Jackie. He slipped down out of the tree and was gone. Billy sat in the leaves for a few minutes. He reflected on the fact that he was not being truthful with his dad. He shook his head, pushed the thought aside, and climbed down the tree.